Gentlemen Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And I think we need a drum roll for this one. It's the world famous Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. Duff McKagan calling me up. Uh, I saw your, your the wrestling the other day. You got thrown in the, uh, the bat of, uh, I don't know, Mimosa? What was that? Uh, anyhow, I got something to say, and I want to shout it from the rooftop. Someone stole my ladder. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Wow, that one was a bad one, uh, but it's a classic. And thanks to Duff for keeping us laughing or groaning or whatever the hell it is that he does every single week. And thanks to all of you who have been laughing along with the Winnipeggers every Thursday night. Dave Spivak, Ribo, and I just released a new episode last night. Girls, 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 all about first crushes, first kisses, first dates. I'm talking uh, cartoon characters, some funny celebrity crushes as well. And you'll see a celebrity might be a bit of a stretch in some cases. So check it out on my Facebook page and my YouTube channel. New episodes every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And speaking of firsts, I want my first ever tag team match in pro wrestling. That's right. Lance Storm and I were sudden impact. And as our 30th anniversary celebration continues, we're doing a watch along of our very uh, second match, only our second match ever, sharing all the stories and details that make it one of the worst matches we've ever had, a true stinker. And the reason why we created our in-ring safe word this match is uh, up uh, on my official YouTube channel, so you can go to YouTube and watch along with us. This is the match that almost made me quit the business. Coming up now on Talk is Jericho, so go to my YouTube channel uh, and get ready to watch along with Lance and I. Hey, Chris. Chavo Guerrero Jr. here. Happy 30th anniversary, my brother. 30 years in wrestling. That's a definite accomplishment, man. Who knew? That uh, when you decided to <laughs> to be a wrestler in uh, the mean streets of Winnipeg, that uh, you would be still at it 30 years later and doing pretty damn well and still at the top of your game. So, hey, man, congratulations uh, to everybody listening. A quick story. Chris and I have kind of been around the world together many different times, but uh, we get bored on the road and kind of you know need to amuse ourselves. So I don't know how it started, but... I guess we were at catering one time or something at one of the shows, and maybe he put an orange into my bag. So I got home after the road and saw this orange in my bag. I'm like, what the heck? And I was like, oh, I bet you Chris did this. So then I took it to work, snuck it in the next, after, you know, three or four days on the road, I snuck it into his bag. So he gets back home and the orange is in his bag. So we went back and forth like this for probably six months. And that same orange got all old and wrinkled and all shriveled up. And uh, we ended up drawing on it, drawing a face on it was with like a Sharpie. And we just, <laughs> I just went around the world, you know, several different times. But um, that's how we used to just keep ourselves amused and just kind of play our little ribs on each other, you know. So again, Chris, uh, congrats, brother. Still at it, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job, and uh, hello to all the AEW fans, and uh, you got a good one with your, uh, with your guy right there. So anyways, God bless you guys. Chris, happy 30th, and viva la raza. This match is fucking wretched. <laughs> and with that, on that note, we're back uh, on... The uh, Lance and Chris 30th year anniversary show. <laughs> 30, yeah. Uh, last, uh, on Wednesday, we, we had this amazing uh, match with Lance and I having our 10-minute, 12-minute uh, draw. 
And this week, the match is not as good as Lance just said. It's absolutely wretched. Now, um, when's the last time you saw this match, Lance? Uh, I'm maybe 15 years ago when I dubbed it from VHS to DVD, but I'm not even sure then. Like, I hate this match beyond belief. Like <laughs> When you said you wanted to do it, I'm like... No one has seen this match. I don't want anybody to see it. It's so bad. I love the fact that you that you opened up that because once again, a lot of people would just say no, it's not good enough. Listen, with, with guys with our tenure, we've had enough great matches where we can show our second match where it sucks. I think it's actually pretty cool because it shows anybody watching that wants to get in the business. You don't always start out, uh, uh, you know, having these classics every single night. Everyone has had a stinker. <laughs> Most people have had a bunch. And this one too, like I'm wearing Steve Gillespie's boots, which have like a one inch lift in the heel. So I feel clumsy. I worked twice on this show. I worked under a mask and did a job earlier or later in the show. I don't remember which. Oh, that's but so great. I remember, I, re I remember watching this thinking I look clumsy because I have these boots on at the time i didn't feel like i was clumsy but i have a memory of landing a leapfrog and seeming not as bounce in my step as i used to but this this match is so awful and it's so bad that you and i created a safe word to make sure that this never happened again do you recall i okay first of all so we, we'll get into it, but the match was so bad that you and i created a safe word that, to, to make sure it would never happen again as in like if you say this word you know, come in and beat the guy up, or, or if you say this word, we wa we're walking out, or what is it? I don't remember. They ate us up so bad because this was, you know, ah, just listen, kid. We'll we'll call the match because we thought they were veterans, and they ate us up, and they they gave us so little, and they ate us up. And I remember us being so angry with how little we did and how much they beat us up that. We promised ourselves we would never let this happen again. And if the guy on the apron ever noticed that the guy in the ring was getting beaten up this bad again, we would say our safe word, Strathmore, the name of this town. <laughs> and the guy in the ring was just going to fight back and beat the dude up and never let this happen again. <laughs> and just to get into this, so, so our first match was was the single match, but we we were kind of like that manufactured, but right out of the gate, we were kind of like, you guys are going to be a tag team. Like right away. Not sure the reason for that, because at the time it wasn't like it was, you know, Smoky Mountain Wrestling or AEW where tag teams are almost more important than the singles guys. Uh, but for whatever reason, somebody wanted to put us together right off the bat. Do you know anything about that? My memory is that, again, in 1990, we were really small. And, right. you know, right. the Rockers could exist because they were in a tag team. Mm. The Rock and Roll Express could exist because they were in a tag team. So I think Great there point. was the thought of good athletic, smaller guys, probably too small to be heavyweights. But if we make them a tag team and since there was so many great tag teams, it's like I was all for it. Yeah. And I remember, too, when when we had the single match, we were planning on being a tag team at that time. And it was kind of the okay, we'll, 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 we'll face each other, but can you book us as a tag team moving forward? And thankfully, Fred, uh, the promoter of this second show, had a tag team, so he wanted to push us as one too. Uh, so we got to be Sudden Impact, which Fred was the name that, uh, guy that named us after mm -hmm. the Clint Eastwood movie. And I still think it was a good name. It's a great name. It, it really is. I remember you and I had an idea of calling ourselves the Northern Lights, 
Yes, we were going to for um, FMW. That's FMW. right. Yeah, and Fred at the time, I think we've talked about this before. Fred said, "Yeah, I can find this uh, this type of of material that changes colors as you wrestle." And I remember thinking, like, what are you, Willy, Willy Wonka? Like, where the fuck do you find this material that changes color while he wrestles? But, yeah, but he decided that Sun Impact was better. And obviously for the Japanese market, as we both know, and this is not being derogatory, Northern Lights, not the best words for Japanese to say where Sudden Impact was uh, a much a much better name. That was a really good name. Yeah, especially for a quick explosive tag team that would make yeah. a sudden impact. And, yeah, it, it was really good. And it worked for for the time that we had it, and <laughs> we survived this debut. And our first tour to Japan was a sudden impact as well. So, as I just said, but um, so we'll talk a little bit about this. So, so we went out of this uh, this match with with Bob Puppets, the Canadian Wrestling Connection, and it was interesting because at the time, this is once again 1990, early 90s in, in Calgary. There was a few actual promotions that ran shows. Now, running shows would mean one a month you know, maybe two a month, but still there was actual shows going on along with CNWA, which is what kind of started when Calgary stopped. So we had three actual promotions running in the Calgary Edmonton area uh, for a couple dudes just starting. Wasn't, wasn't a bad schedule. Yeah. And, and Fred was a tremendous con man, shall we say? Like he talked a really big game yeah. and he had promoted a show years earlier that it had like dynamite on it. So he had photos of legitimate stars being on a show he did. At least he claimed he promoted the show. So it felt like this guy was, you know, going to be a big thing. And he talked about the, uh, what was it? It was the National Wrestling Federation was his promotion. NWF. Right. And like you said, and at the time, there was a lot of good talkers around. I mean, even Ed Langley and, and, and Jurgen Herman and these type of guys that were telling us, once it's the classic thing that we laugh about to this day, you know, you're going to Germany that, you know, when you just wait by the door, the FedEx is coming with your tickets to Germany and they were never coming. So we were used to the guys talking big games and still hoping that things would happen. But another thing that Fred Jung had was a connection to Japan. We talked about it earlier about, about Northern Lights Sudden Impact. The reason why that even came up at all is because Fred had a direct connection with FMW, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, which of course was Onita's company, where where Titan was a big star, Lenny, Dr. Luther was a big star. You and I went, you went once, I went twice, but he did have a connection. So to, to, to find somebody that could actually take you from Calgary to Japan was a pretty big deal back at that point in time when you've been in the business for one match. Yeah, it was huge. And the fact that Titan had been over there and verified it because we were friends with Rick. Yes. And Rick was like, no, this is legit. I went to Japan. I, you know, made money, worked. In, and I think at the time it was when Onita was doing like baseball stadiums and stuff. And he's like, I worked in front of 30,000 people. Yes. And at that point in time, we got, you know, those stars in our eyes. And it's like, we got to listen to this Fred guy. No, and obviously th that happened a little bit of time after this actual show did. But but this is where it was like, okay, you know, your first show is with Bob. I remember, I remember this classic Ed Langley. Uh, I was like, Ed, so you're booking us? Because that was kind of our, 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 you know, our liaison at the time. You're going to book us with Bob Puppets on, you know, on the second. And then you're going to book us with Fred Jung on the 10th. He's like, yeah. Got to burn the candle at both ends and see where it lies. 
Like Ed was going to outsmart them by, you know, yeah, if you want them, you can come over here. If you want them, you can take them over there. <laughs> oh, but yeah, because I think Fred needed Ed's ring where B- puppets had his own ring, but needed Ed to, I don't know, do some part of the business end of it. So Ed was right. co-promoting with both guys and burning the candle at both ends. And once again, Ed Langley was the head of Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling. You might say, well, what does Ed Langley have to do with the Hart Brothers? And we ask ourselves the same question. But <laughs> at the time, he had some power. And he had started Pro uh, Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling with Keith Hart, who showed up the very first day, by my recollection, called me a gearbox, told me to take a backdrop where I landed on my feet. Uh, and before I could celebrate, then took me down to some ridiculous hold where he was pushing my teeth together i thought my teeth are gonna snap and they left and we never we never saw him again i mean did we ever see keith more than once i think he came two or three days is my memory but at most three days the, the whole time gotcha. but yeah and and to be clear he told you to take a backdrop you just landed on your feet and ruined his day it was it wasn't like he well, told you to take a backdrop and land on your feet. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And once again, this is because it was our first day in the ring. We didn't even know how to hit a rope yet. And the reason why I took a backdrop and landed on my feet is because once again, we used to watch Owen Hart as the Blue Blazer on, on Saturday Night Main Event, and my parents had a a black uh, recliner that when it was pushed up, it was just about the right height of of like a, a backdrop, like a little bit of a taller. And I remember I used to. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, Million Dollar Man gave Owen Hart a backdrop and he landed on his feet on Saturday Night's Main Event. So when he threw me off the ropes, I did what I used to do when I was wrestling in my basement. We didn't have backyard wrestling, we had basement wrestling. And I just pushed off the Keith, aka the, the recliner, and rotated like we used to and landed on our, on our feet to imitate Owen. So I didn't know how to take a bump, but I knew how to go on my feet and that's why I did it. And I thought, I'm going to be the star of the class. Like, screw this Lance Evers guy with his great leg drops on the first day. And then before I could even get cheers from the crowd, then I got taken down and unmercifully stretched. <laughs> <laughs> you were not supposed to look good on that backdrop, so he was not, hot. Was but so anyway, so Keith and Ed had started this camp. And when Keith did whatever he did, Ed kind of was the day-to-day guy. And I don't know, remember if this is true or not, or if Ed told us this, but he had some kind of a manual or some kind of a book that Stu had written his techniques in for training or. Yeah, I I think that might've been a bit of, but I do remember he had a binder and I, I assume it was, you know, Keith or Bruce or whoever was running the Hart brothers originally that just sort of had, you know, week one, do this week two do this, you know, right. you know, right, start right. with a headlock, start with a hip toss, start with an arm and just basically a brief outline to pace yourself. So you cover enough crap by the end, which when I opened my school, I basically, I did it with a duotang rather than a binder, but I basically did the same thing with, okay, what do I need to be sure to teach these people? What's the logical order to progress through it and just wrote it down so I could make sure I didn't forget anything. I don't know if his was more detailed than that, but it probably had a couple of drills in it and a few other things, but he did have that. And he probably told us it was, you know, passed down from generations and generations of the hearts, but it it could have just been, you know, Bruce one day making notes. We didn't really discuss this on, on Wednesday, but we 
even though there was no heart, we had Brad Young, and I feel we had each other that our training was actually pretty damn good, especially considering even to this day how bad some schools can be, Storm Wrestling Academy notwithstanding. Yeah, they they taught us how to properly, and again, I think a lot of it was Brad because he was really good. They taught us how to technically execute all your basic fundamentals, wrestling and maneuvers really well. They didn't teach us any ring psychology whatsoever, but they taught us how to bump, sell and execute all your basic moves. And at the time, that was really all you needed because you generally, this match that we're about to see being excluded from that, worked with someone that had a clue that could sort of put yeah. things together and tell you what to do. And when we got to work with the Jerry Moros and stuff, it's like we were off to the races having great matches because they had the psychology and the pacing, but we could execute stuff. We learned good fundamentals. And while we totally didn't get what we were promised, I think we did get our money's worth. Meaning we didn't get any Hart Brothers. Yeah, we we did. Yeah, <laughs> Brett and Owen did not stop by regularly. I remember one time Keith was like, "Yeah, I was going to bring Owen by." I'm like, "Well, then why didn't you?" Geez, geez. But like you said, I mean, the, the, there was there was at least I don't know if they even taught ring psychology back then. I think the business has opened up so much over the last thirty years. Like, I'm sure when Hero Matsuda was you know breaking Hogan's leg at Eddie Graham's camp or whoever it was that they weren't teaching you the psychology of actually being in the ring and putting together moves. Do you think they were? No, I don't think they were because yeah. I, I think it was a case of, and this is where every territory had their, you know, a Rip Rogers, a Buddy Wayne, yes. a whoever, that was a really great worker that wasn't your main event guy. So when green Chris Jericho showed up and it's like, Hey, we got this new kid. They'd put you with that guy and he would, carry you through and you would learn the psychology end yeah. of it through osmosis you there every territory had those you know good working carpenter underneath guys that could carry a green guy that knew how to sell and bump yeah where now so often you know since there's not the territories and a, a vast depth in your locker room you work crappy shows with crappy people and if you manage to survive that you get to go to decent shows with decent people so you, you have to teach them more to give them a chance because you're not going to have, you know, the, the Chi-Chi Cruz, Don Callis, right. who was in there a couple of years before us that, you know, even Lenny, you know, was, yeah. was so much ahead of us. If, if we didn't have Lenny to call us through some matches earlier, it's like we might not have figured this shit out either. And another thing, too, is we're going to see uh, we, we, we talked the last show how there was a Titan and a coma. We even mentioned Les Thatcher, which, by the way, we did not mention that you're never allowed. You were never allowed to say his name. Les Thornton. Sorry, Les Thornton. Yeah, you were never Les Thatcher. You can say his name all day long. The greatest guy, but Les Thornton. You were not allowed to say his name because he was bad luck or something along those lines. Yeah, I found out in Europe. I mentioned his name, and uh, it was Dave Taylor. It's like, oh, it's the unmentionable. Don't say that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I guess it was old folklore that if you had said his name out loud on or before the show, something bad would you know, your car would break down, someone would get hurt. And crazy enough, tie into the Wednesday show, I went to the Pinocchio Moose Hall uh, five years ago now, I think. Ra Rachel Ellering got booked on a show at the Pinocchio Moose Hall when she was here training. And I drove her up to the show with my daughter. And I told her the Les Thornton story and actually said his name. And a dude on the show shattered his ankle and had to go to the hospital for major surgery. 
damn. And I was like, it's true. I shouldn't have said his name. <laughs> My point being was that, that <laughs> don't move now. The man who you can't say his name uh, was on the show and this guy had years of experience. So, so, so puppet show had uh, uh, some guys with some merit. My point is, there was still the CNWA, which basically, when, when Stampede Wrestling shut down six months before we went to training, and I think both of us were hoping we we're going to go to Stampede Wrestling, CNWA kind of took all the best, which was Johnny and Gamma, and, and like him or not, Bull, Bull, Bulldog Bob Brown had the name, and Carrie Brown. And then we were kind of working, as Cornette would say, the outlaw mud shows. They weren't that bad, but just getting whoever else was around. You and I didn't know this at the time. We thought everybody was good because they're on a wrestling show. Yes. Right? They're, they're wrestlers, so they must be good. Yep. And they, they all weren't. They all weren't. Especially on this show, which was the, the, Fred, uh, the Fred Jung show, like we said. And he was promoting uh, uh, under the National Wrestling Federation, like you said. Uh, we're going to check out uh, Fasten Your Seatbelts because the heat is on. I'm reading the program here. The NWF proudly presents Super Challenge 90. Saturday, October 13th. So I'm sorry. So that was uh, 11 days after our debut at the, <laughs> this is great too, uh, in Strathmore, Alberta, which was our safe word. And it was at the AG Grounds Quonset. Yes. Which if you don't know what a Quonset is, it's like, um, it's a big half tube. It's like a barn, but smaller. It's like if you had a really, a big culvert that would be under the road, it's just a bigger one that you're in. And it was the small time. I Google it. A quonset is a lightweight prefabricated structure of corrugate, corrugated galvanized steel having a semi-cylindrical cross-section. It's produced to uh, hold feed. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh, where's it going to be? And they said it's at the, it's at the uh, AG grounds quonset and never hearing that word ever before in my life. And I grew up in the prairies. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What is a quonset? Uh, so, and the main event that evening was the world heavyweight title about John Hunter versus Luscious Bubbles. I remember Luscious Bubbles being short, very fat, and wearing Zubas in his match. Other than that, I don't remember anything. Um, yes, and, he, and he, I think Luscious Bubbles is obviously supposed to be the uh, the heel term, the heel name. Uh, and if you look at John Hunter, John Hunter looks kind of like a, a like a 15-year-old version of Ian Rotten or Axel Rotten. Same type of thing, little mullet, kind of a chubby guy. Uh, and in his promo picture, he's wearing a, a, a muscle shirt that says Strathmore on it. <laughs> which, oh, got to get the which, local pop. Exactly. That's why he's in the main event. So the tickets were available at the Strathmore Value Drug Mart, uh, Craig's Way Station, and the semi-wind-up, which I'm not sure I've ever heard that for a semi-main event, Lance, the semi-wind-up. Hmm was a revenge match of the Predators versus the DeLorean brothers. So did they travel in time? I don't know, but do you remember the Predators? I remember the Predators. One guy was ripped and really in good shape, a little smaller. The other guy was a little softer, but still looked like he worked out. They had good gear. They had masks and followed in line with Fred's using movie titles as tag team names. Great call. And I remember the one guy had a super long neck like E.T. <laughs> The, the ripped guy? No, the taller guy. The, the ripped guy was a little juice guy, and the taller guy had like a really big, long neck. And they wore masks, and like you said, they were Fred Jung's creation. So uh, I'm sure they probably got a push 
you know, I, I'm surprised they didn't book him at FMW. I don't remember if them being good, bad. I think the idea was to build sudden impact to the big match with the Predators, but that never happened, as far as I remember. No, we never worked them. They, I, I remember them not being great, but that was the plan and the promise was going to be the big feud of the Predators versus sudden impact. Okay. Uh, and uh, here's another one. It's action-packed in a big bubble. And uh, special appearance by Ed the Savage Langley. Ah, oh, yes. Hello, Jericho. Me and uh, Chris Jericho have been friends for years, and I want to congratulate him on 30 years in the business. And uh, we always used to greet each other like uh, Seinfeld and Newman. He'd go, I'd go, hello, Jericho, and he'd go, hello, Raven. And, uh, and we still do that 30 years later. But uh, I want to I wanna just mention that uh, my, one of my favorite things that Jericho ever did was he decided he was going to invent a word that was going to be part of the popular lexicon. Like, he always wondered how words became, like, slang words became, you know, got over, how something became known for something totally different. So he decided he was going to use the word fruit and uh, and said that fruit would be something cool, and he was going to get it over. And, of course, it never got over a lick. But then, like, 20 years later, I said something to him. I go, man, that's the fruit. And he's like, oh, my God, it caught on. And I was like, no, I, I was there when you invented it, you dummy. Anyway, I love Chris. He's a great guy. He's been a great friend for years. And uh, congratulations, man. 30 years. It's a long time. And you're still going strong, which is just, that's the part that blows my mind. Absolutely amazing. All right. Uh, take care and uh, much love, man. Let's discuss Ed the Savage Langley for a bit. Also known as the Goto Hills Savage. The, the dude who was 55 but told everyone he was 65. Because then everyone would say, man, you look great for your age. I can't believe you're still <laughs> able to do this. Because he, he swore to us that he was that age. But yes. I saw his driver's license at some point. And I'm looking at the birth date and I'm doing the math in my head going, he's only 55. <laughs> in which case, he doesn't look very good for his age. <laughs> and when I called him on it, he said that a local newspaper did a story on him and they screwed up and said 65 and everyone put over Ed for, I can't believe you still do this. You look so awesome. I can't believe you do this, that he liked the attention. So he just kept it as his gimmick. So that was 30 years ago. So now he's 95 or 85. He's 85, but would be telling people he's 95, he's 95. assuming he's still alive. Cause if he's 85, it's like, oh, oh, no. dude, dude, I didn't, I didn't show you this. Lenny just showed me a picture a couple days ago of a show that, that Steve Rivers did in Edmonton, and Ed was there. Oh, wow. They're all wearing masks. I, I'll see if I can get Lenny to send it to me right now. I'll show it during the show so you can see it. Yeah, yeah, he's still he's still around. And the best part about Ed was he was kind of like um, Forrest Gump. He had done everything. Oh, yes. No matter what you said, he had done it. That's for sure. And he would also mouth the words you were speaking as yes! you spoke to him. He would move, move his mouth along with your conversation, which was really weird. My father-in-law does that, and I've always been reminded of something. And you're right. Ed Langley would say what you're going to say. Now, Ed was a was – a, like a, and, and Lenny would know all the stories, but he was a stock car driver that rolled his car uh, a record 12 times or something like this. He was a Boy Scout leader who performed a tracheotomy. 
I thought I thought he took some kid's appendix out. I can't remember what it was. Maybe, oh, it, was maybe it was a tracheotomy. I don't know. Maybe it was the appendix. Maybe it was both. My memory is he actually did the tracheotomy gimmick where the kid couldn't breathe and he got his pocket knife out and cut his throat. And but the, we either or I remember he stitched him. He stitched him back together with fishing wire or fishing line. Fishing line. Yep. Uh, and then he was also uh, Mr. X in the WWE. Oh yeah, he was a big star. <laughs> Which. Mr. X wore a mask, so you could never tell. And I remember saying to him, was it Dr. X or Mr. X? Said, oh, sometimes it was Mr. and sometimes it was Dr. Just whatever they put on the card, I didn't care. I just worked it anyways. <laughs> so he was, uh, he was, uh, uh, and then in Calgary, he was the Savage or the Goto Hill Savage. And you guys will see this coming up. He, he wore like, a, and this guy's like, you know, just a, a 50. Well, here's the thing, first of all. I'm going to be 50 in six weeks. Lance, how old are you? 51. I mean, come on. Like, we look a lot closer to ourselves at 20 and 21 than we look like Ed the Savage Cabbage, as Tyler Palco called him. <laughs> oh, my God. He's only four. He was only four years older then than I am now. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, that Wilfred Brimley just passed away recently? No. He, he passed away. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Thing, but in The Thing... He plays this character called Blair, who's like the crotch of the old man. When when Wilfred Brimley was in the thing, he looked pretty much like he did, you know, like as you're imagining him. He was 46. <laughs> I'm 49. <laughs> Crazy. So uh, Ed was the go to Hill Savages. We'll see. He wore basically a red bodysuit as a 55 year old man with like uh, a big vest that looked like it was made from um, uh, like a, a bathroom floor carpet yeah a furry checkerboard a furry checkerboard with big giant bruiser brody kind of uh uh leg leggings and that made him the uh the the, the savage yep and his tag team partner was steve gillespie who uh god bless him he was a decent technical wrestler but a charisma vacuum and had no idea how to call a match well and as we're gonna find out uh as yeah like once again we are two kids in our second match, and we are booked on this show to have this match, and uh, we don't know what we're doing, and apparently neither do our uh, neither do our opponents. Before we get into that, though, I just want to say that you can also see the Titan, 6'8", 300 pounds, versus the Black Mamba. Tell the, uh, the story of the Black Mamba, Lance. Black Mamba was a recurring jobber, if you will, on all of the Alberta shows, and a dozen different people played him. I'm the black Mamba on this show. <laughs> and I remember too going to the ring. I think we, I think we did our match first and the black Mamba was after. Cause I remember going to the ring with the mask on terrified that everyone's going to recognize me. And it's like, <laughs> like, like people saw me for 10 minutes in this shitty tag match. And they're going to remember me in this black body suit <laughs> with the black mask. But yeah, I went out and did a short job for, for Titan as the black Mamba and everyone I've, I did the black Mamba a couple other times too. It was just anyone when they needed an extra body, here's the black body suit and a black mask. Did you carry the black Mamba body suit or did Ed? Uh, I think it was Steve's Steve's. Yeah. So like you played the black Mamba, Steve played the black Mamba. So like you said, if someone didn't show up, here's the black Mamba costume. Yep. <laughs> All right. So I uh, will read through the card quickly and then we'll get to the big match here. So, uh, it starts off with the same match as 11 days earlier, the Canadian kid Brad Young versus brutal Brett Como from Boston, Massachusetts. And once again, 
Oh, I didn't see. I was going to say that Brad was two pounds heavier than Como, but I'm not sure if he is or not. There. No, he's five pounds heavier on this one. Five pounds heavier. Uh, then we have uh, the Chaos Kid, who was Fred Jung, wrestling the promoter. Not putting himself in the main event though. He was against Vic Derosha, who is your far- <laughs> your former roommate, Vic DeWild. Yes, the Benson Surreal manager from the other uh, the Bob Puppet shows. He was uh, Sir Benson Surreal. But he got to wrestle on this show, and I remember him being funny as hell. But yes. he was—he <laughs> uh, made Orange Cassidy look like the Ultimate Warrior with his physique. <laughs> Actually, Orange is pretty ripped up, man. He made Joy Janela look like the Road Warrior, the Ultimate Warrior. Um, the funny thing was, and when we first met Vic, we'll talk about him for just a quick second. Uh, when we first met him. I asked him what he had done before. And like, you know, you were a volleyball player and a weightlifter and I was a hockey player and training. And he was like, yeah, I was a championship archer. And I was like, well, you made the obvious step from archery into pro wrestling. I mean, duh. And Vic looked like, uh, like Andy Kaufman. Yes. Latka. So imagine him. And he was, he was in this, in this show. And I remember he used the, the music walk all over you by ACDC. <laughs> I remember you hated that. You're like, walk all over you. Like, talk about, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's a buck 40 with skinny arms and a bad fro. <laughs> He's going to walk all over you. And then, um, this is pretty crazy, though, Lance. They must have switched around the order from the program because it was Steve Gillis Pie, spelt Gillis Pie, and Ed the Savage Langley versus Sudden Impact Lance T-Storm. There's the debut of the T and Chris Jericho once again with no H. <laughs> <laughs> the H has yet to make his debut. Yes. And then we had an interview with Ed Langley. That must have been hot, which led to the semi windup of the Black Mamba versus the Titans. Did that happen after our match? Do you recall? Or, or they must have. I think it around. did because I remember thinking that the fans were going to recognize me coming out again in the mask. But, dude, how, how quickly did you change your gear? <laughs> I'm guessing pretty damn fast. Oh my gosh. I think there was a promo. I think the Predators did a promo or something. Gotcha. But yeah, I had to change pretty quick. And I think then I had to change one more time because I think Sudden Impact had to do a run in on the main event to do a pull apart for John the Wrecking Crew Hunter from Strathmore, as we see, versus Luscious Bubbles, who's from every women's fantasy. Well, of course he is. And that was a tape fist street fight match. I remember there was juice. Oh, bled buckets because i remember we did the run in and i'm just trying not to step in it or touch anybody because i think i think luscious bubbles and fred got in a fight before the show yet bubbles still let fred be the one to gig him what yes (laughs) never let the guy you you just had a big screaming match with uh be the one to gig you on a show so fred gigged him like uh, mass transit and it was just (laughs) everywhere (laughs) Wow. So Fred must have been uh, 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 Luscious Bubbles uh, or Wrecking Crew Hunters uh, second, maybe at that point in time. Yeah, the Chaos Kid managed or something. Chris, congratulations. Congratulations. This is your young protege, Sammy, the Spanish god, Guevara. And I just want to say, man, congratulations. 30 years. What a long time. Like, what a really, really long time. Like 30s, like, Chris, I'm not even 30 years old, okay? Do you understand, like, how crazy this is? That not only have you been doing this longer than I've been alive, I'm 27, that's three years longer than I've existed, but you've been killing it for the past 30 years. 
Like, that's amazing. That's motivating. I hope when I'm 30 years in the business, I can accomplish maybe even half of what you've done because you've done so much and you continue to do so much. Working with you the past two years has been super dope. You know, you're one of the coolest guys on screen with naming me the Spanish God in front of 10,000 people to the bubbly bunch. But even off screen, you're one of the coolest guys. So thank you for just being you. And here's the 30 more. Here's to 30 more, baby. So go celebrate with a little bit of the bubbly. And uh, I'll see you on Wednesday, man. All right. So we now have gotten to the point. I'm actually really nervous to watch this. <laughs> I'm terrified, dude. Um, all right. So here we go. Here it is. Steve Gillespie and Ed the Savage Langley versus Sudden Impact. We're playing right from the start. So once again, we'll turn the uh, turn the uh, commentating down a bit. I'll turn this so we can actually hear ourselves more than that. What type of music are they using? It sounds like ragtime or something. <laughs> Look at the gear on. Now, Gillespie's got the classic Stampede Wrestling job outfit. And I think this was the show where our entrance it music, was. whatever it was, for some reason played backwards or at a weird speed. You couldn't tell what it was. Let's see if you can hear it. Oh, them yellow yeah. gear. People didn't care. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was. Unskinny Bop, for some reason, played backwards. <laughs> and we were sitting in the back going, should we go? Like, I almost wanted to, like, no, start it over again. Like, I couldn't believe they played our music wrong. And me wearing Steve Gillespie's spare yellow boots. And why is that again? You forgot yours? No, I didn't want to wear the same boots for the Black Mamba gimmick because I was afraid fans would notice and know I'm him. I'm that dumb. <laughs> Look at all those white boots. That must be the same guy. And I love once again you can see the you can see the angle of the Quonset. It's it's a freaking barn. We're in a tube. So um, apparently shooting this through a hole in a curtain or something. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what that is. It's like somebody's got a one of those like pin like if you're trying to see stars with, with a pin where you hold the thing up the black uh, construction paper. So we see Gillespie over there. With his classic Stampede Wrestling black silk jacket, white tights, lightning bolts on the side, stars on the ass. Am I right? Yep, for sure. And I have no tan at all. Nothing. I mean, once again, this is October in Calgary. We probably didn't even know what it is. Look at Gillespie, the old school brother of pulling on the rope there. Oh, I'm going to go out and get myself over with some kids. <laughs> so I had this listed at... 250 people at the Quonset there, and um, we made 50 bucks for this match. So we got we got almost a double pay raise for this. Fred was paying more. Fred was paying the standard, although the second Fred show, he uh, screwed us and only paid us 20, I think. Really? Yeah, he shorted us, said he'd make it up on the next show and then didn't have another show. <laughs> for this one or the next one? The next one. Yeah, because we had another puppet show, which was not as good. And another Fred show, which is even worse than this one. So <laughs> we came out of the gate hot. Yeah, because check it out. Our first match was Pinocchio. Our second match was Strathmore. Then Pinocchio and Strathmore. Yep. They both did two shows. Oh, God. I start with Ed. Why are my feet so wide in my tie up? Oh, my God. Ed's working like he's like he's like it's his first match. <laughs> Might be. I don't have confirmation he ever wrestled before this. Look at that unflattering costume that he's wearing, too. It's just cut terribly. Yep. I think he came to the ring with his giant bruiser Brody. Um, um, I think he had the vests and the furry boots that he took off, I yeah. think. 
Is that referee David Putnam? Is that Bulldog Bob Brown's kid? That's Putnam, yeah. David Putnam. Yeah, David Brown. That's the guy who uh, Beef Wellington beat the shit out of him in the dressing room at CNWA. Yeah, he just- And when Bulldog came in and asked Johnny Smith what happened, who was in the exact same locker room, he went, I don't know, Bob. I couldn't see anything without my glasses. <laughs> he was sitting right there. <laughs> All right, here comes the big Jericho. Second match ever. Shoot Savage Cabbage off. Yeah. There you go, baby. I always liked that jumping flying elbow. Yeah, that was a, that was a staple back in the day. You could tell I'm an old school brother and I do the exact same move as I finish. I just don't leave my feet now. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed will not sell for us. Uh, nothing. Oh. And I forgot that you said that they just ate us up. I totally forgot about it. Because this is – and you guys know wrestling, people watching this. But the, the idea is you is you shine the baby faces at the beginning. You put them over. You have them do some nice spots. You make them look good. Yeah, they didn't do any of that. <laughs> I hit one – okay, at least you think, well, Ed's kind of older. Gillespie should know. Because Gillespie at the time is a stampede wrestling veteran. And like you said, God bless me, passed away this year or, or at the end of last year, whichever it was. Um, but, you know, not the best worker that we – oh, big tackle. Oh, two big tackles. I probably outweighed by 20 pounds already there. Oh, big high spot. There you go. <laughs> you got a hip toss. At least, I didn't, at least I didn't screw up that hip toss like I did with you. <laughs> oh. But it sounds like a pretty lively crowd. Yeah, I, I, again, you said it was you know twice as many people as the previous show, so it was good. And, and once again, this is not me getting ticket counts. This is just me guessing. Looking at the crowd, yeah. Yeah. At least you're getting some offense in. <laughs> I love I thought at first like, those boots look yellow in the light, but you actually are wearing yellow boots. Man, they ain't giving me anything. You outmatched me, man. I thought that black was good. Yellow's even better. <laughs> yeah, basically, you got tagged in and got beaten up right away. Yeah, I started, got beat up. You got in, got one spot, and I'm in to get beat up again. <laughs> Do you um, remember the issue? It's It'll be coming up in a bit with the crowd that made me so angry. No. I guess when I'm selling, they started a Let's Go Chris chant. And I was so hot with like, man, it's like he's standing on the apron. He's more over than me. I was really hot. <laughs> and I found out after the match, because I asked you and you apologized and said, yeah, they asked your name, but I thought they said, what's your name to you? So you told oh, them, Chris. Yeah, 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 I remember so, that. <laughs> so they were chanting what they thought was chanting for me was actually chanting for you. But meanwhile, I'm in the ring having an identity <laughs> crisis with my partner being too over. It's funny the stuff that you remember compared to the stuff that I remember. Because now that you mentioned that, I do remember some kid going, what's the name? Chris. Like, what's the name? Like, I didn't, like not what's his name? What's your name? What's the name? Of course, I'm going to answer mine, right? Yep. And I'm getting beat up and I'm just like, I was furious. I was like, damn it, they're chanting for him. Like, somehow that's your fault. Although, I guess, technically it was. Did we think that... Um, like, did we go into this with, like, thinking this is going to be good? Because, you know, our, our trainer's in here and Steve Gillespie, uh, Gil Steve Gillespie, Stampede Wrestling veteran. Like, were we excited about this match? Because I remember having good intentions about it. Yeah, but I, I do remember Ed and Steve saying, hey, just listen to us out there, kids. We'll take care of you. 
So I, I think I was going in with the thinking that this will be much easier because I don't have to like try to think of what to do. Yeah, I, like I don't think they went out there with the intention of burying us. I just think, like you said, they just didn't know how to put together a match. No. Oh, this. No. Okay. Oh, it's like, like drop. Yeah. Later on, I think in this match he does a knee drop, and he drops the knee on my chest, but the knee that was supposed to hit the mat hit my forehead. I will say. We'll watch that, but I will say this for for a fifty five year old guy. Well, once again, he's training every day in school, but he's he's actually not like he's he's not as you would say he's not horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, he may res- he re- may resemble it, but he's not. But his his technique isn't horrible, like I, like 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 I'm saying. Yeah, and the best part is, are we even in the heat yet? I don't know. Do you remember what happens on the hot tag? Yes. We'll tell that story when we get there. I just told it to Lenny earlier tonight. Oh, I'm so getting my ass kicked. This Listen, this is the beginning of the match. It's only five minutes in. We're going 18 minutes. It's not like there's like, you're supposed to still be getting the heat. We should be doing this to them. Yes. I think I've, th- I've gotten one suplex in that I just got mad and suplexed head. But the thing is, they're not even doing. Well, that was the thing too. Like again, because Steve was there through part of our training, and I remember afterwards thinking that we did the entire camp, and no one had ever even said the term "heat" or "comeback" to us. Right. So I don't think they knew. No. Well, back then we didn't either. We never had heat or comebacks. I I legit remember that. Remember back in the day, like the three false finishes, and that would be body slam, arm drag, suplex. That's a false finish. Yeah, I didn't until I started working with Jerry, where he would, you know, yeah, get the heat and make a comeback and stuff. I'm like, oh, this makes so much more sense. Do whatever you want, drop kick, arm drag. I don't give a shit. <laughs> boom, boom, beat the f-ing shit out of me. I love Look Jerry. It's all just rest holds and like once again, here we are, thirty years of experience. But I'm just saying, what are you guys doing? Like. And the crowd is, this is not piped in noise, guys. The crowd is still excited. This is 30 years ago when you didn't see anything. So the fact they're kicking the shit of us and the crowd's still into it is ridiculous. Look at that. What the hell was, <laughs> what the hell was that? That was Gillespie leading you through, brother. <laughs> Broomstick, baby. Oh, I'd have had a better match with one. You would have. He's, he's, he's sandbagging you too, David Putnam. Look at these. And you got to sell because he's been beating you up. What are you supposed to do? He probably told you to sell. This might be the hot tag. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. You're all fired up. A little fire there. He's probably sick of you getting the shit kick out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Snapmare. Do you take one there, Savage Cabbage? Oh. He's trying. (laughs) He's trying trying to (laughs) sandbag me. (laughs) He leads me into a... (laughs) I just hit on the head. Classic Jericho. (laughs) You man. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to take over with a shitty backslide. I just hit him in the back of the head and took over. You're having none of it. This is great. I think the Irvin uh, temper took over at that point. <laughs> Veterans be down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so bad. Headlock, he pushes me off. I just fall to a lump. With Ed the Savage looming over me. Oh, oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, this is so bad. 
But they, the crowd sounds like a track. They haven't stopped the whole time. Yeah, as long as, as long as the baby face has a chance, they're into it. Oh, my goodness. I think they're just a bunch of farmer kids that didn't get to do anything for the last month. Let's go watch the wrestling. Throws me into my own corner. Oh, I'll get in and get beat up again. Gosh, I, hope, I, I think you get another hot tag, so I think I'd get beat up again. I hope you take some initiative from my temper tantrum earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, like you said, Ed liked you, so I'm expecting him. Look at that big, oh, look, that's good. Draw, uh, leapfrog. Jesus. Jeez. What was I thinking? And then nip up, nice nip up there. Oh, uh, no, you've had enough. That's it. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> this is awful. Yeah, thumb in the eye. That's it for me. Was it was it in uh, wrestling school when uh, he said he said watch out for this and threw me or you off and gave a hip toss and his false teeth fell out? No, that was at the Okotoks camp with Lenny and Lee and uh, Ajax. What Come get him after this one because he's finished. And then he gave him a hip toss. Hold on a second. He's fifty five. Hold on, hold on for this one. There was one one of our ones where his false teeth flew out. I'm combining the two stories, which is fine. I think that might have just been right there. He had to put him back in. He's 55. <laughs> yes, what? that's true. Why does he have false teeth? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had to live the gimmick. He's 65. He had scurvy. He, did. <laughs> he fell over. I was just going to say no one does the ear boxing thing anymore, and maybe that's why. Oh, my gosh. I think yeah, Ed didn't eat any citrus for a few years. He had scurvy and lost his teeth. Is oh, that there's the, the double, oh, that that's the like double knee drop. Double knee drop right to your freaking nose, man. The heavy one to the forehead and the light one to the chest. Oh, this is highly entertaining. And this crowd is, there's just, God bless them. They're so, in, hopefully uh, Luscious Bubbles and John Hunter gave him a better match. Because they're ready to rock. You're getting, they're getting double heat on me and two hot tags to you. I bet you if this is a drinking game, there'd be five heats by now. People would be drunk watching this. Look at that bump. <laughs> he just took a Jim Cornette bump. Didn't even try. Oh, here we go. Now you're back on top again. There's no rhyme or reason to this match. They're calling nothing. Oh, high spot coming. Here we go. Double team. Did he bump? Oh, I guess he did. I guess he kind of just broke through our clothesline there. <laughs> I think that's when you and I learned that if you're going to do a double clothesline, one guy has to actually give the clothesline where the other guy holds his arm. Yes. If not, it's a double, you know, shitty punch to the sternum. Well, now, how am I, oh, oh, that's it. Hold on. That was it. That was the inner thigh shot. Now, the story of this was, I almost want to rewind it if I could, but but we're watching it along. So what he did right there when I came in and gave the double clothesline is he gave me a uppercut between the legs, which in wrestling. It's the Ric Flair ball shot. It's a ball shot. Afterwards, I said, why did you give me a ball shot in the middle of the match or whatever I said? He said, it wasn't a ball shot. It was an inner thigh shot. <laughs> I said, what's the difference? A, how am I supposed to know what it is? Because the inner thigh shot is a ball shot in wrestling. And B, the fans saw you give me a ball shot. Yes, it was an inner thigh shot. <laughs> yep. The classic inner thigh shot. Oh, he just right didn't there. want to sell for you, so he's cutting you down. Yeah, he did not want to sell for me. He had no interest in selling for me. Uh, or, or didn't know what he was doing. Probably more like it is what I'm thinking. Probably. I don't think there was ill will involved. Just he didn't know it. But, but there has to be something. They got to know. Like, like Once again, this. <laughs> Look at this. Work on the leg. And the crowd is loud, man. They're having fun. Yep. Oh, this, 
safe to assume this match didn't get two and a half stars on your sheet of paper. This one got uh, one star, which I'm being, I think I was being pretty, I, I think I didn't want to give myself a dud <laughs> in my second match. <laughs> you may have been partial in your analysis here. Yeah. This is where he's doing the noogie to the knee. I know. It's like freaking the planes, trains, and automobiles. I prefer a wedgie. Well, you get noogies. Yeah. He's grinding the, the knuckle into your knee. But, but, but once again, man, I mean, come on. These guys have been around somewhere more than we have. You have to understand the concept of a match beginning, middle, and end, right? There's there's none of that here. Nope. I'm still trying to sell my inner thigh. See? That's a true pro. Total pro. Got to sell that inner thigh. Can you imagine if this crowd was dead, how much worse this match would be? Oh, God. How are they not dead? That's a testament to them. I just am not uh, – I am not having Gillespie here. I, I, I'm just trying to sandbag him. Oh. It's just a boring match, too, the way they – I'm going to say the way they put it together. They, they didn't put together anything. No. Maybe this is why, like, when you're a kid, like, if <laughs> – You are not taking the knee breaker. I'm not doing it. Go f- your ass, Gills pie. Like, if you're a kid and, like, you got stung by a bee – you're scared of bees for the rest of your life, right? What's he doing there? Okay. You know you know what I mean? Like if you, if you have something that tra- uh, traumatizing as a kid, you hate it for the rest of your life. Maybe this is why I never, and I repeat, never worked the leg in a match <laughs> <laughs> because of this match. Oh. So they had two heats on me. Now they're getting another heat on you. I think it's been about three each. <laughs> if they're... 15 minutes. Okay, if there's 15 minutes, we had the offense for 13 for uh, for 115 and they had it for 13:45. I bet you if you looked it up, if you if you timed it out, we had less than 2 minutes of offense in this match. Oh god, yeah, for sure. What the hell is he doing? He put me in a figure 4. He said I think I'm just trying to get the hell away from this guy. <laughs> I don't want to lose my job, so I don't want to start punching him, but I'm at that point. Yep. I think we're going home soon, I think. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> the finish must come out of nowhere. Do you remember you know what the this, finish is? No. Uh, this is, I think this is it here, the misdirection spot. We go over by a fluke. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. It's Gillespie's sister and watches. <laughs> terrible. The finish. The crowd pops. He doesn't even go There's to the kids floor. jumping up and down. <laughs> They're jumping up and down for that finish. Kids are jumping up and down for that finish. Girls by jump. Oh, now they're breaking up. They got to take the spotlight away from us again. What are you talking about? They wouldn't sell for us. They won't sell for each other either. Oh, now he's going off the ropes as we walk away. I'm getting carried out by David Putt. It's like, it's like the night I was bleeding. <laughs> Your winner is the guy getting stretched out. I get stretched out for nothing as these two idiots are beating the shit out of each other. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is great. This is the example of what not to do, ladies and gents, if you are uh, uh, ever planning on getting into the wrestling business. And if you're in the business and you're depressed because the last match of yours you saw just sucked terribly, oh keep my in God. mind that. Both of us in that match actually made it afterwards. 
you know, and, and once again, let's, let's, let's just dissect this a little bit. So like you said, they ate us up for 95% of the match. And that might be even giving us a little bit too much. Then they beat us by a fluke. We beat and, them by a fluke. Sorry, we beat them by a fluke. As the guy jumps off the top rope, uh, I move, fall down to my death apparently, Gil Spy hits Ed the Savage Cabbage and just stands there watching the three count, making you look like an idiot when you run in. And then we both roll to the floor and get carried out by the ref, David Putnam, who just got the shit kicked out of him by Biff Wellington, that Johnny Smith couldn't see anything because of his glasses, as Ed the Savage and uh, Gil Spy beat up each other and turn on each other at the end. That is the exact antithesis of how to put over your baby faces from beginning to end. And when you consider that the 5% of the match that we did get offense, most of that you had to damn near shoot to take. Good point. <laughs> like if, if you weren't like having none of it and just fighting to get your comeback in, it's like we would have had two moves each. And I, I'm not saying that this is probably true, but I think, it, I think, I think you, it'd be fair to say that Gillespie probably worked with Pillman or Owen or Benoit during his time in Stampede Wrestling. Is that is that fair to say? He would have been an underneath guy, but I would imagine he would have had matches with them. At some point. So if he's an underneath guy, he's probably working with those guys as, as winners and he's the loser. Yeah. So he knows how to take their moves or or some semblance of those moves. Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if as a guy that was always on the bottom end of things and having to get beat up and listen to other people. He saw this as his chance to be the big guy. And, you know, he's going to make sure us, us kids pay our dues, so to speak. Well, and you, you even live with him for a while. And I remember him kind of having that sardonic attitude. Once again, God bless him. Good guy. But I remember the first time he was another one of the guys like Bob puppets that we spoke about in uh, the last episode who would come watch us train. And I remember something came up about like selling. He said, well, I never, so many facials in my selling. I asked him if he was a ninja. You remember that? <laughs> That's right. Yes. Are you a ninja? You don't show pain? Like, like once again, any kid in my class that said that without even having a match, I'd beat the shit out of him. But so he was not a, a, a technically polished worker, shall we say, but he would still know the basic concept of how to take a move other than a drop kick and an arm drag. You, you would think, oh, that was so bad. I remember afterwards... Like, as good as we felt after match one, and once again, this is 11 days later, feeling like, holy shit, we should pro- I should probably just quit. Well, again, I, I, I hated it so much, we created the safe word that if we're ever in a tag matching, we're getting eaten up, <laughs> yell the word Strathmore, and it's like, we're not, ta- we're not letting this happen ever again. This is atrocious. I don't think we ever had to use it, but... Not even in Japan, in FMW or anything like that? I don't think we ever used it. I, I do recall at FMW that, you know, they had warned you ahead of time about way to the kickboxer dude. And right. when, he, when he started throwing knees at you, you just punched him in the head and fought back. But we didn't have to say anything. Yeah, we didn't have to say anything. Do you remember something about the... Because you mentioned earlier in this show that Puppets had his own ring, but Fred had to borrow Ed's ring. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that we took the ring truck there and the truck broke down or what happened? We picked the ring up. We, we left the, they left the ring there overnight and we well, had to go Calgary. back and get it. Yeah. yeah. Calgary. Like it's, it's about half hour drive. Okotoks a little further. So say 45 minute drive. Cause that's where Ed was. And so it was you, me and Vic took Ed's truck and we had to go to U-Haul to pick up a trailer. 
And I found out afterwards, they gave us a shorter trailer than they were supposed to. Hmm. And this was Ed's 20 foot weight a ton ring. And we loaded this thing up and the first road leaving the Quonset, I jackknifed the trailer and the truck on the road and blew a tire. Wow. That's right. And we had to call a dude to come and replace the tire. So then we had to drive like, you know, 20 miles an hour because otherwise the, the trailer would push the truck because the trailer was too small with the weight of the, the ring on it. I think the, the tongue weight was off so because too much hanging out the back. So it was lifting the back of the truck. So we had very little control steering oh and God. we'd have to drive it like, you know, 30 kilometers an hour or whatever. And we got lost because we took the wrong That's back road. Right. That's right. And we were like 10 hours to drive the 45 minutes back to Ed's place. Cause I remember we were on a side road and we're trying to find where we turn. And at some point we realized that if you're in Strathmore, the mountains are supposed to be to the right of you. If you're driving South and we realized we weren't driving the right direction. And we were like 10 hours and we ended up like, you know, an hour and a half South yes. of Okotoks. And we eventually got back to Ed's. It was like the worst, longest, disastrous day ever. I remember that too, because I remember it took us a long time to to take that ring down as well. Because like you said, it was the 20 foot, it was really heavy, and it was me, you, and Vic. And once again, here we are 30 years later, and we we paid our dues as much, if not more, than others. Just the three of us went there, as as you are supposed to do as a young boy. And had to deal with all this stuff. And that's nothing. Listen, I'm not bagging anybody. That's when I hear anybody complaining about any type of NXT drills or whatever the fuck. Like, you have no idea what it's really like to, to be, you know, a young guy or girl coming up and having to do these things. I remember jackknifing the, I remember jackknifing the trailer. It was scary, man. Like, cause it almost, it goes like this and it goes like this. And what's going to happen? You're start to do this. And like you said, we blew a tire. Like now we're in physical danger of, of like bodily harm. Yeah. And this is again, before cell phones mm -hmm. and internet and stuff. So we're just on the side of the road with a blown tire. And like, again, you might have had a credit card. I don't know, but it's like we had very little money and it's like we're just on this. I don't even know how we ended up getting a tow truck there with her. I don't remember. Like, I'm almost thinking like, especially Strathmore, which is kind of like a farm town. Like, do we go to some farmhouse or something or whatever? Like, I had no credit card. The only credit card I had was to buy gas at, at the Shell station with like a $500 a month limit that my dad gave me. But you ain't getting no tow truck with a Shell gas station card, you know? Yeah, someone must have stopped and, you know, gave us a drive to the local gas station or something and we called Ed, but yeah, it was it was yeah. a disaster, man. <laughs> it was awful. I remember yeah, oh, jackknifing that thing with the blown tire. That was fun. The fact that we can remember that shows you just how monumental it was for us to be there, you know. Yep, Strathmore, uh, Alberta. Yeah, and like you said, we went back there. Uh do you remember what you're uh, you probably don't remember, but this is one of those ones where this match was so bad that you needed a good one afterwards to recover from. And I'm looking at my uh, lineup. You remember when I went to uh, Agassiz, British Columbia with um with Lazansky and Como, you probably don't remember, but I had a match with Como. That was, uh, that was February of uh No, it was October. It was October. You're you're thinking about when we went to Vancouver. This is October 24th. I had the next booking. It was with uh, Jericho versus Como, Agassiz, BC. I lost by pinfall in front of 60 people for 25 bucks, and I had a three-and-a-half-star match. 
So at least I was able to pull myself out of the fire there. There you go. Yeah, I wasn't on that one. Oh, yeah. I, was, I thought that was the one in Vancouver where I didn't go because I got hurt. Yeah, you were. You, I think your next one was probably October 27th, which once again is three weeks later or four, almost four weeks later after our last Pinocchio show. It was me and Steve, Steve Gillespie versus the Boys in Black with the famous Ether finish. And that's when you had your championship title match versus Earthquake Muldoon and really shoved it up my ass by winning the title winning the heavyweight title and it again this is just a story i shared it on twitter but i meet this dude and this first time wrestling someone i've never met right and i asked the guys like how long you've been wrestling he's like five years so in the back of my mind i'm like cool this guy's gonna call the match this should be easy he's a veteran and we get out there and he called nothing and i ended up calling the whole damn match on the fly (laughs) in the ring with this dude i've never met before for a title. Third badge, one with a uh, Air Pillman uh, springboard clothesline. Perfectly done, too, by the way, if I can imagine. Uh, and just as we wind down, a couple last memories. Earthquake Muldoon, which is a great name. Not a great look. He had the crazy giant mullet with frizzy. It was frizzy hair. It was, I remember just being super frizzy and super long and weird. And not nearly big enough, considering I think Earthquake John Hunter yes. was was around. So I was like, does this guy lose weight since he got the <laughs> he name? He was a thing at the time. Uh, and my match that night was it was like we said, it, the, Steve Gillespie was now my uh, partner against the Boys in Black, who was Randy Rowe. We discussed in the first episode and Bart Steiger. And uh, the finish for that one was uh, <laughs> they didn't want me to lose like by getting body slammed or punched in the face or anything that we would do because it's a f- work. I had to lose by getting uh, the bad guy manager, which I believe was in Victor Wild. I think so. Yeah, it was Benson. It was yeah. Benson Surreal. He takes out a bottle of ether as referee Ed the Savage Langley is being distracted and knocks me out with ether. And then they throw me in the ring and hit me with their finish. Funny thing is, it wasn't ether because you can't find ether on the street. It was actual rubbing alcohol or paint thin or something along those lines. And the reason for that was it's like, well, people in the front row are going to smell this. So we need to use some real like rubbing alcohol paint thinner. I remember they put that in ethers is a, a gas that makes you go to sleep. And they put the thing over my face and I couldn't breathe. And all I was breathing it was actual paint thinner. <laughs> it could have killed you. <laughs> it could have killed me or give me brain damage or whatever. I'm like, it's not worth it. I'll lose. Oh my goodness. And uh uh that one was two stars. So wow. Anyway. Again, probably generous. If, if you and I was only two and a half and the ether match was Yeah, yeah, it's probably less than that. Uh, last thing here, I'm gonna do the share so you can see this is a picture taken over the last few months. There he is right there. That's uh Steve Wild. That was yeah. Steve Rivers, and that was Steve Wild and Ed Langley, I think. Yeah, it was. I'll I'll pull it up again. There's obviously People can't see it, but we'll show it uh, in the thing. There you go, right there. Wow. Steve Wild. Five years old. Yeah. Wearing a mask and Steve Rivers. So there you go. So Ed is still with us. And if Ed listens to this show, we say this with uh, nothing but love. Thank you for the uh, time you spent with us. And thanks for the time you spent training us. And uh, once again, like we said earlier, had Lance not been in school or, or, or Chris Bins not been in school, we wouldn't be here. And Ed Langley uh, was... We probably still would have made it anyways, but he definitely, uh, he was part of the, he was the, the first week. stare on the, uh, on the road. Yeah, he really was. Yes, he was. Absolutely. So, uh, Lance, once again, man, what a great, uh, night, uh, watching these. 
I would say that we're the only two guys that on our 30th anniversary with technology the way that it is nowadays, we're able to watch both of our first matches, have the, 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 the programs. I think it's pretty impressive, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's pretty cool that the we managed to have our debut together and stay friends for 30 years and and still have the video evidence of uh of it all together. It's it's pretty damn cool, yeah. Well, dude, uh like I said, man, much respect and much love and uh glad we got to share this time together and it's always a pleasure to to talk with you and to to, to spend some time with you and even though it's not in person, thank goodness for modern day technology with StreamYard and Zoom where you can actually still connect with with your friends in the middle of a of a freaking lockdown. So, yeah, no, okay, great talking to you, man, and uh, we'll have to do this again at the 40th. <laughs> I'll be here. I'll probably still be working, brother. <laughs> Thanks, dude. All right, take it easy, brother.